This is the Spin Talk Podcast. Catch Spin Talk with Lauren, live on Spin 1038 weekdays from 1. Spin 1038, you're welcome back to Spin Talk with Lauren. Uh, in just a few moments, I'm going to chat to Nolian Blackwell from the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. Um, but first, I would like to get through a few of your messages um, about the issue of consent. And like Rachel and I were just saying off air there, like listening to Rihanna, like nothing feels appropriate today. Like it just feels like there's so few songs we can play. There's so few things we can reference, even talking about topics for later in the show. We just feel like, well, we can't talk about that. We can't talk like everything feels a bit wrong today. So bear with us because this is just as uncomfortable for us as it is maybe for you listening today. But like I said, it's still a really important discussion and it's one that we haven't shied away from in the past and we're absolutely not going to shy away from it today because if one good thing comes out of the case in Belfast is that it has started this conversation or continue this conversation about the issue of consent. So look, we've been asking you on Facebook today whether or not you think we speak openly enough about consent here in Ireland and at what age kids should be taught about consent. So Benjamin has been in touch on Facebook and says, well, it's left up for parents to do it as it seems that sex education is nearly non-existent in secondary schools in Ireland. I don't know about that because look, we've talked about um, sex education in schools and we've talked about consent classes um, at university level, not so much at primary or secondary level. And the thing is that I know there are great groups there are great classes and there are some wonderful teachers, you know, trying to bring this up and discuss it. But, you know, it's not happening countrywide and that's understandable for lots of reasons. Teddy says we should be talking about this from birth. You can't touch anyone and no one can touch you if they or you don't want to, respectively. Lydia says kids in Ireland barely get sex ed. I didn't. I'm 31. We got some talk about two people walking over a bridge together. We didn't have a clue what was going on. Get proper sex ed and teach them about consent. Different sexual orientations, the whole lot. Yeah, and that's something that, you know, I'm going to speak to Nolene about in a few minutes' time is why we are so uncomfortable about talking about certain subjects. And I've said this before on Spin Talk, over time, I think we have gotten better and we've definitely noticed that when we discuss certain subjects on the show, people are definitely uh, more willing to come on and be more open about certain topics than they might have been a few years ago, which is really encouraging, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Kate says on Twitter, as young as primary school, and again, multiple points in secondary school, by the time teenagers are sexually active, they should have had at least five or six, in, five or six sorry, in-depth sexual consent classes, and not just one or two awkward, blasé sex ed talks. So actual consent classes, Kate says, we need to be having at primary school level. What are your thoughts on that? I'm on 087-711-1038. Michelle says age isn't the issue. The lazy parents who can't be bothered to note this is part of their jobs too to prepare their kids. How many parents who are commenting here have had a proper chat with their kids about this? And how many think it's another job for the schools? And look, I think that is a point that is made about so many subjects. You know, um, a lot of people feel certain things need to be tackled in schools. A lot of people feel that teachers are under pressure as it is already. Schools are responsible for so much that it begins at home. I think we have a responsibility as a society 
to educate our young people, to educate one another and have open and honest conversations. Like I said, it's not easy. It can be awkward for everyone. It's not easy for me sitting here talking about certain subjects, knowing how uncomfortable it can be for some people and how triggering it can be for some people. It's not easy, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about it. Sandra says, as a parent and as a teacher, I think it's up to parents to educate children on sex. I don't want a teacher explaining a very important subject to my children. It's not a one-off discussion. It's something that should be discussed regularly and openly so they have the skills and confidence to do what's right for them when the time comes. Really, really great point, Sandra, and thank you so much. I would really like to speak to you today. If you would like to get involved in the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. You can text or WhatsApp 87 Do you think we talk openly enough about consent here in Ireland? And at what age should kids be taught about consent? Can you remember how you learned about consent? Maybe it's something that was a grey area for you growing up and now as an adult you look back and go, God, I I don't know how I feel about that now. And, you know, because I think that is true of so many people, you know, that it's just something that maybe we learn and maybe that's not right. Maybe we should be discussing it more. But look back in the day, things weren't talked about as openly. Why don't we talk about it? And if this is a discussion that you've had, particularly over the last 24 hours with your friends, I'd like to hear about some of the opinions. I'm on 87 711 I'm joined on the line now by the CEO of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. It's Nolene Blackwell. Nolene, thank you for your time on SPIN today. A pleasure, Lauren. Nice to talk to you. As I said at the very opening of the show, Nolene, um, today is not about a commentary um, about yesterday's verdict or the case. Obviously, it will be referenced at times, but we just felt we have a responsibility, particularly to our younger listeners, to have a discussion about consent. And I know you've um, said many a time that this case did raise an awful lot of questions about the issue of consent. It did, and it allows us an opportunity to to talk about this again because this case wasn't about, and lots of cases aren't about, whether sexual activity took place. Everyone agrees that was it. But actually, as, as one of the defendants put it at the end of the case yesterday, George Olding said, the, the perceptions of two people that were engaged in that sexual activity were very different. George Olding who reminded everyone he was he was found not guilty of any criminal activity, all of which is fine, also recognised that the complainant's perception was that she was forced or in some way unhappy with the sexual activity that went on. He was sorry about that. And that, in a sense, is where we all should... We all should be very sorry that somebody... At the end of today uh, and yesterday and indeed months ago was in a situation where she felt that she was not happy to go ahead with the sexual activity that was going on and somebody that she was having that activity with didn't recognise it. And that's the problem right now because for all of us, for everyone who is listening and for all of us, we have to remember all of the time that sexual activity which is on consent, which is consensual, where both people actively agree to what's going on, is a fine and a good thing. And I don't care what form it takes if it's consensual. But where it is not consensual, it's harmful and it is criminal because the definition 
in law of rape is sex without consent. So it's really important that we better understand because we don't talk about it enough in Ireland. We, we don't even say yes and no in simple things a lot of the time. You know the way in Ireland we kind of go, ah, yeah, no, it's okay. Like, yeah. what does that mean? Does that mean yes, no, or okay? Like, we don't, we're not good at saying, please stop it. Don't get into a huff. Just stop what you're doing because I don't like it. Or somebody saying, yes, I'm comfortable with what we're doing now. We can go further. And those are the conversations that I would love to see us all having as a result Mm -hmm. of this case, which was good for no one. No one liked it. No one was the better for it. And none of the parties in the case, accused or complainant, meant to be in court for two months at the beginning of 2018. And they were there because because of the questioning of consent. And the place to question that is when the sexual activity is taking place, not months and years later in the court. It is it is a little bit tricky, and it is a little bit. People say things like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to." spoil the mood by checking in with someone how they are well wouldn't it be great if we could make the mood one where we were actively looking at and listening to our partner and ensuring that they were at the same level of engagement as we were. You're absolutely right Nolene and it is something that has come up on this show many a time and that's why we felt so important to talk about it today is because we aren't good at talking about certain topics in this country. Even today, talking about it on the radio, you know, we have to give warnings. We have to let people know this is going yeah. to be uncomfortable. This isn't something people like to hear about. And when people are having sex or they're engaging in sexual activity, we get embarrassed really easily about talking to one another. We're naked, engaging in sexual activity, but yet we're not able to have open and honest discussions with one another. Yeah. And and we don't do it often enough to get comfortable with it either. People say, oh, I'd be uncomfortable saying that. Well, actually, if you said it a few times, you would be less uncomfortable with it. If, uh, if we had ways in which people could talk about it, even in the abstract. So if, if say, a bunch of boys are um, out listening to, to you now on the radio, if they could say, well, actually, I'd... I think we should talk about this. How would you, how would you know? Uh, if, they, if you could talk about it in theory, then you could apply it on a regular basis. If you applied it on a regular basis, we wouldn't be so uncomfortable with it. We wouldn't be so afraid of checking in. Because when you think about it the other way, when you think about the consequences of not checking in, leaving out crimes out of it altogether, most people don't want to harm someone else. And the trouble is, if you proceed with sexual activity that somebody else doesn't want and that they're not able to articulate it or they or sometimes even when they do if you proceed with sexual activity that someone else doesn't want you're harming them and that harm can be a lifelong harm it can take people forever to get over it because people also might have more than one experience of being harmed Uh, and and so if if you're going into anything just just to bear in mind you you don't mean to have sex to harm someone else or if you do then it's a straightforward crime you know but for most people that's not what they're trying to do for most people they just don't recognize that need to check in all along the way uh, there is a, a fantastic little video 
uh, that the Thames Valley Police did. Uh, you could only do it in England because it was about having a cup of tea. But it's all about you. You give, you offer a person a cup of tea, and if they want it they'll drink it. But if you offer them a cup of tea and they change their mind about having it later, you don't force the cup of tea down their throat. You don't um, make them drink a cup of tea when they're unconscious. You know, you don't do any of this kind of thing. You keep, the the person has the cup of tea because they want it. Mm. In the same way, surely we would all like to be in a situation where we're able to say that the sexual activity we're having, whether that's kissing somebody, whether it's um, uh, having uh, full sex with them, whether it is um, patting their bum, all of these kind of things. Wouldn't you like to know that what you were doing was welcome? Mm. And if it isn't welcome, to bear in mind, it is harmful and it is criminal. And that's why it's really important to talk about it. I know the video you're talking about and we will tweet it out because um, it, it is a, a great analogy um, for talking about consent, Nolene. So thank you for that. How do we talk to young people and children about consent, yeah. Nolene? Yeah, so, so I, I, I now think actually you can start early enough, but you don't start talking to small children about consent in the context of sexual activity, you know, in, in a big way. But you make people understand from the time that they're small, first of all, how to say yes and how to say no and how to hear yes and how to hear no. And then the next thing that you do is you 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 get people understanding that really they're, they're to respect their own bodies. Because for instance, childhood sexual abuse is still far, far too prevalent in Ireland. So you try with small children to have them understand the importance and the respect for their body and that nobody should do anything harmful to their body. And then you work your way along. So right throughout um, the, the bringing up of a child, right through their primary school, through their secondary school, you should be building in a thread of a better understanding all of the time about consent and about respect for one's own body and respect for other bodies. Because... If you respect somebody else, then you are careful not to harm them and you're careful not to assault them. And and one of the big gaps we have in our education system is a, a thread right through of healthy relationships. It should be going through as much as we want to train children's minds to understand numbers and letters, uh, as much as we want them to be physically healthy, we should also be teaching them to be emotionally healthy. And a lot of that is down to respect, healthy relationships and understanding consent. Nolene, understandably, this has been a very emotional time for a lot of people, particularly those who in the past themselves have been victims of sexual assault. If anyone is listening to this and feels they need to talk to someone, um, how can they best get in touch with the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre? So, so we run a national helpline. So wherever you are in the country, there's a helpline that's working 24-7 every day of the year. And the number is 1800-77-8888. Nolene Blackwell, CEO of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Lauren. You can get involved in the conversation today. Our number is 087-711-1038. Text or WhatsApp. Caroline joins me on the line. Hi, Caroline. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you very much. You have little ones in your house, Caroline. I do. What ages are they? Um, Three, four, seven and fourteen. 
Wow, your hands are full. Yes. Um, <laughs> what kind of conversations do you have with them, particularly the 14-year-old, Caroline? Yeah, see, with the 14-year-old, the conversations about, you know, like sexual consent has only come about in the last few months, really, from just t- seeing, you know, hearing and seeing things. Um, there was in, a while ago, there was a girl, I think, that was raped by her boyfriend. I think it was in on the news. And he said, for sure, he's her boyfriend. And then I was like, oh. Because okay. I'd always say, you know, like, you have to consent to anything. But I, I thought he got it. But he obviously thought because she was his boyfriend, or he was her boyfriend, that that was, a, that was acceptable. So I just sat down and said, well, no means no. Yeah. No matter if you're in a relationship or you're not. And that goes with any kind of, you know, consent or anything. No means no. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of explained it. So then I realised that I need to start teaching the other three from now so that they, they're more aware. Because I always just assumed... Yeah. You know, that he would have... Because I would always say, you know, once you say no, no means no. And if they say no, but he just obviously seen it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, so... And the thing is, Caroline, and it might be hard, especially as his mum, to think of your 14-year-old, because he's still your baby, but he's yeah. having conversations with his mates and he's hearing mm-hmm. things and picking up things. Does that worry you? Yeah, very like, it's been uh, nearly, like, almost a daily conversation since this trial has started. But just to kind of get it through to him, you know, that no means no and consent, because I was never taught Mm-hmm. And it's you know, perceptions so. as well, and that's something that Nolian Blackwell talked about, is our perceptions of sex and how someone else is feeling. And, you know, as your son gets older and the other three grow up as well, Caroline... You know, how equipped do you feel having those conversations with them, honestly? Not very, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Would you need a bit I, of hand, do you think, from schools? Do you think it's something yeah. that maybe, you know, you need to do at home, but obviously there needs to be something in place in school as well? Yeah, I think, like, follow through. You know, find teaching at home. The same way with anything that you teach your kids, that it gets followed through with skill. So I do feel that the skills could help now, I know they've a lot already on their plate, but, you know, I just think when they're doing sex education to do, you know, go through the consent as well mm-hmm. so that kids are aware. Because I think a lot of them, like, a lot of people are not really aware with the whole consent thing. Yeah. Is what I kind of gather. Yeah, and that's exactly why we're having this conversation. Caroline, thanks a million yeah. for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me. Lovely to speak to you today. Um, Janice joins me next on the line. Hi, Janice. Janet, now I understand uh, the point you were making in your message is about the justice system and so while you know we'd said we're going to do our best maybe not to comment on the case too much this is still a point that you wanted to bring up Yeah, I think the schools do do a lot I know from having my kids in school and they do do the stay safe program and good touches and bad touches because they're still young Um, and then as they hit secondary school I had a sex education. I'm 33, you know. I I had all that. I had myself um, been abused as a child and then sexually assaulted as an adult. Um, I knew to say no. Um, so that was not consensual, obviously, because I was saying no. I brought it to the attention of the guards. Um 
sat in a police station, went through the whole traumatic experience. Um, and just to be told, well, I don't think um, you should go ahead with this as there is a group of these people. They would all stick up for each other. So basically, you bring this to court, you're not going to get any justice. Firstly, Janet, I'm so sorry that you experienced that, not once, but twice. And I think your story is one that so many people have experienced is, and it's something a lot of people are talking about online, is, you know, why people don't report certain crimes and why people, why they never even get to court sometimes. Yeah. See, that's that's exactly my point. (laughs) You can say no as loud as you want, as much as you want, you're not going to be listened to. That's how I feel from my experience. I'm sure other people feel exactly the same. You can drill it into your children as much as you like. Um, There's still that factor there that you're not going to be believed by anybody. Janet, I'm really sorry to hear about your experience today, but I'm really, really grateful you've come on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Thanks a million. Bye. Um, It's something actually I've heard Nolene Blackwell address um, in other interviews is the amount of people who contact the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre who have not consented. And again, it comes back to perception, something Nolene Blackwell um, discussed, um, something Stuart Olding referred to in his statement outside the Belfast Court yesterday is people's perceptions. And what a lot of people experience is they say to the person who's assaulted them, I didn't consent to this. And the person who's assaulted them believes otherwise or they don't care. And that's where we need to have a conversation about how we treat one another and how respectful we are of one another and caring about the the fact that the person you are engaging in sexual activity with may or may not be enjoying themselves and checking in with one another. Today I would like to hear your thoughts on the conversation. I'm on 087-711-1038. Rob joins me on the line now. Hi, Rob. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Rob, your number was passed on to us because you're a White Ribbon ambassador. What does that mean? Well, I'm an ambassador for the White Ribbon, which is the the largest male-led organisation that works on behalf of of women to try and prevent men's violence against women. So I've been a White Ribbon ambassador now for the past six years and I spend a lot of time in schools helping educate young men on on the... um, the relationships with women, both you know, present and in the future. Something one of our listeners just spoke about there, Caroline, is a conversation she had with her fourteen-year-old, and you know she was surprised when you know her fourteen-year-old relayed to her, "Well, you know that guy is that girl's boyfriend. So how is that rape?" You know, she was quite surprised. Are you often surprised by some of the things you hear from school kids you meet with? Well, yeah. Look, I think you do. There's a lot. I think. Kids growing up in today's age is a little bit different to what it might have been 20 years ago, and it's unfortunate how desensitised they've become. Um, but I do think education at that level is is the key to to helping make a change with with men's attitudes towards women. So um, it, it'd be good to see more men out there in schools helping young men uh, become better men. Rob, something that a lot of people feel, and it's something that comes through to us a lot on the show, is that. A lot of culture around sex has changed. You you know, you can hook up with someone in a matter of minutes now online and that, you know, everything is instant. And, you know, going back, as you said, years ago, like 
things have changed a lot. We are more open, but at the same time, um, you know, how people perceive sex has changed. Is that something that you've noticed? I think so, yeah. From what my experience has been, you know, dealing with the kids, it's, it, there's a lot of confusion out there and, and you're right, things are fast-paced and, and it is at the uh, touch of the finger that you can connect up with somebody, but it really comes down to the depth of the relationships and I think that's important that we uh, show these young adults that it's, um, you know, there's, it takes a little bit more time than just a click of a button before you can move into that level of your relationship. So there's definitely some confusion out there for sure. So how do you go about engaging in these conversations? Because like I said from the get-go of the, the show today, it can be awkward. People, you know, are uncomfortable talking about things like consent. When you go into a school, what's the reaction initially? Well, I guess the reaction is good to be really honest with you. I come in from my own experience as a you know, as a person who never expected to be ambassador for White Ribbon. Uh, it wasn't based around uh, sexual violence. I become a White Ribbon ambassador because a previous partner of mine was murdered by her former partner. Um, so when I share that story, it instantly engages the children because, you know, I never expected to be there. And, and that's what I, my message to those kids is that you don't expect it. You don't think it'll ever happen to you, but it can happen. So they are quite engaged and, um, and that's a good thing. But it's, I think it takes more people to get out there and have those conversations. Rob, I'm so sorry to hear about your partner. Um, that's an awful story. And, you know, I think it's one that young people need to hear about. As you said, you never expected to be taking on this role. What would you say to people who feel... Jesus, Rob, you know, kids don't need to be hearing about that kind of thing. That they're too young. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you've got to pick your audience. You know, when I'm speaking to, to kids under the age of, say, 12, it's a slightly different uh, delivery of the story. Um, so it, it ranges from who I speak to, depending upon how I deliver that story. However, it's important they hear it because they're, they're going to move into the real world and, and you know, we all know that these things are happening just statistically from a, a global standpoint and I'm not up to speed with the Irish statistics but I can only assume they're just as scary as they are elsewhere. These are, these are realities that some of these kids are going to move into and, you know, they're going to come across people who have been, you know, abused or, or put into situations that are quite scary and, you know, they're going to need to know how to, to handle themselves. And, and from a peer-to-peer -peer basis, it's going to be good men standing up and these young men will have to become good men and, and put their foot down when time comes to say, listen, that comment is not okay or, or that action you had towards that young lady, that's not okay. And, um, you know, it's just the education and vigilance that will make those things happen over time. Rob, really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All the best. Uh, that's Rob. As I said, his number was passed on to us um, by a listener. He's a white ribbon ambassador and he's very passionate about his role. He goes to schools, he speaks to young people about relationships, about how to treat one another and about violence um, towards women in particular. So thank you so much to Rob. There are so many messages coming through. I'm going to do my best to get through all of them. You can continue to get involved. I'm on 87 Spin Talk with Subway. Turkey breasted ham or spicy Italian. The choice is yours. Subway. Keep discovering. Spin 1038.
Okay, Brona joins me next on the line. Hi, Brona. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Brona, you wanted to make a really important point, so go ahead, the floor is yours. Um, yeah, so I just was looking at some of the Facebook comments there and a lot of them um, say about, and it comes up again and again, about that schools aren't doing enough. Um, I'm a secondary school science teacher and we discuss um, sex ed a lot. We go through the whole process. We talk about contraception. We talk about abortion. Um, we talk about a lot of these things in the classroom. It's discussed in home economics and it's also discussed in SBHE. Um, so I just feel like, yes, uh, schools do have to discuss this um, but I think a lot of the time the talk has to happen at home mm. in terms of consent because if a student broaches that topic with me and I always say to my students that as long as you're respectful to everyone in the room you can ask any question that you want and I'll answer you honestly but I'm only going from my own um, I suppose my own experiences, my own best understanding of the topic itself, rather than us being trained as um, experts in this area mm-hmm. as well. So, I mean, it's a lot to say, you know, we should be doing this the whole way through school when we're not actually trained on how to talk to kids about consent. And I know I'm comfortable with talking with my students about these things, but a lot of teachers are afraid of backlash from parents that their students will go home, say it at the dinner table while I was talking about how to say no in class today. And parents will be very angry because they might think that if you're talking about sex in schools, then you might be nearly in some way opening students' eyes and saying, okay, you're old enough to deal with this yourself. I think quite often, Brona, um, teachers are really stuck between a rock and a hard place. You're damned mm. if you do and you're damned if you don't. Good on you that you're so open and that you are comfortable having the discussions that you do and, you know, amazing that your your school welcomes that. Um, it's really, really yeah. good to hear. But I completely appreciate not every school, um, you know, will get away with it, let's say, Absolutely. you know, depending yeah. on their ethos or whatever. But yeah, it's it's just something that, look, and I said this earlier on, it's it's not just up to parents, it's not just up to teachers, it's up to all of us as a society. Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm a 34-year-old woman, I know people who are like, oh, that's just how lads talk, or they're just the messages that go around in WhatsApp. It's up to all of us to call out that kind of behaviour and to talk openly about issues like consent. So... I think, look, it sounds like you're definitely playing your part and I really appreciate you making that point because, as you said, a lot of people are saying on Facebook, oh, they're ignoring it in schools. Yeah, absolutely. Really good to have you, Brona. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Cheers, thanks. Um, just before I get into more messages, it really does bug me and I'm not going to lie, a lot of people have said it to me, you know, about the messages in the case in Belfast, but just lad culture in general, um, this crack of like oh sure that's just lads being lads that's just boy talk and you know some of the memes that are going around now it boils my blood and I've got to say it's utter bullshit to say that um, oh that's just that's just look that's how your brother talks that's how your dad talks that's how your mates talk that's not how all men talk and it is so wrong and just going back to the point again about perceptions and checking in with someone just going to read you out a text message that um, I came across while getting ready for today and it was a text message sent by Stuart Olding pumped a bird with Jacko on Monday roasted her then another on Tuesday night we really need to have a conversation about perceptions and about you know the the fact that the person you're with is enjoying themselves or not because if you think that that kind of message is okay you need to cop on uh, just to reference a message I read out there a second ago yeah to the person who texted in and said it was in fact uh, McElroy 
Um, yes, sorry, and there was just a picture of Stuart Olding beside it, so I should have double-checked that, so thank you for that. I suppose my point was about the content of the message, and I probably shouldn't have even referenced you sent it, but it's that kind of attitude about messages that really annoys me, and I was speaking from personal experience, that so many people say, you know, that's just lad banter, they're just the kind of messages lads send. It's just so wrong. But look, thank you very much for sending in that message. Um, I really appreciate it. Just to get through more of your messages that are coming in, because there are so many. Um, so I will do my best to get through them. I want to read you out this one uh, that we got this morning. It says, I was sexually assaulted when I was 15. His family was well known and liked in the town. The people whose house it happened in made it out that it was my fault. My parents reported it and it was a very scary ordeal. I was brought to hospital for all the tests, which was horrific. He denied it at first, but was told there was evidence against him, so he changed his story. My mum was told by the social worker that it would be a horrific ordeal for me to go to court and that I would be torn apart by lawyers and did my mum want me to go through all of that after what I had already been through and that the majority of cases are found against a person who reported it. My life has been tainted by what happened, not just what happened that night, but by the people whose house it happened in and them telling people that it was my fault. I use drink as a way to deal with what has happened and I have lost friends over it. Thank you so much for sending that in. I know it's not easy and similar to Janet who we spoke to earlier on, you know, um, so many people making points about the justice system. Cathy says, if I knew my son was using that kind of language towards girls, I would be so ashamed. I wonder how lads would feel if someone was saying that of their sister, niece, girlfriend. 100% Cathy, I think so often people hide behind banter, you know, and they don't think about if it was their daughter or their sister. Another listener says, my stepdaughter is eight and came to me last week. A boy in a school has a crush on her and keeps grabbing her and hugging her. She said to stop and he doesn't. She asks me what to do here. Her teacher is aware. It's important to learn about consent early. I believe the situation definitely um, requires that boy to understand that she said don't touch her. The way she, um, should the way no means no. Thank you for that. Neve says, there is such a bad lads, lads, lads attitude in this country. Myself and my friends have been talking at length about how girls are discussed in WhatsApp groups. It is in such a vulgar way. It's something that happens so frequently in this country. Just last week, a boy approached my friend in a nightclub and said, I heard in the WhatsApp group that you're a great ride. Totally unacceptable. Firstly, what an idiot. And secondly, do you know what? This isn't the first time we've discussed... Um, this kind of attitude and this kind of culture in this country especially when it comes to the like of WhatsApp groups if you're in one of these WhatsApp groups no matter who you are don't put up with it because it is not right another listener says when I was living abroad I was raped by a senior in work on a night out I couldn't go to the police as there's no such thing as rape here it's just premarital sex in which case I'd get arrested for it I decided to go to counselling and my counsellor then asked me do I think this would have happened if I hadn't been drinking? It was an awful part of my life and I struggled with the concept of consent for months. I actually found the video of consent as if we were drinking a cup of tea very helpful. It is very precise and to the point. Nolene Blackwell mentioned this video earlier on. I'm going to play you a clip of it now and we've also tweeted out a link to it. Have a listen. If you're still struggling with consent, just imagine instead of initiating sex, you're making them a cup of tea. You say, hey, would you like a cup of tea? And they go, oh my God, I would love a cup of tea, thank you. 
then you know they want a cup of tea. If you say, hey, would you like a cup of tea? And they're like, uh, you know, I'm not really sure. Then you can make them a cup of tea, or not, but be aware that they might not drink it. And if they don't drink it, then, and this is the important bit, don't make them drink it. Just because you made it doesn't mean you're entitled to watch them drink it. It's a great video. Definitely check it out. As I said, we've tweeted out a link to it. And massive thank you to Nolene Blackwell again, the CEO of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. She was on with me earlier. Their number nationwide, 1800 77 88 88. I'll be back in just a few minutes with more of your messages. This is the Spin Talk Podcast. Catch Spin Talk with Lauren. Live on Spin 1038 weekdays from 1.